the word of our Lord. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, magi, from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod When he had secretly called the Magi, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Joyce with exceedingly great joy. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt. Stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the Magi, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all of its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your holy word to our hearts. May we hear from you. May we be instructed by you. May we be changed by you. In the name of your Son, Jesus, your living and eternal word, we pray. Amen. At Epiphany, the celebration of the Magi, the manifestation of Jesus to the Gentiles, the nations, those outside of Israel, I'm always struck by the drama, the tension, John, the juxtaposition. You have life and you have death. 
You'll notice on our communion table at the altar this morning, we've got the Magi gathered around bringing their gifts, but pressed right up against the Christ child is the bread that will be broken and the blood that will be shed. Life and death, light and darkness. The Magi were guided by a great light in the sky, a star. They had been watching, they had been looking, and all throughout Judea, as the Christ child has been born right there in the little town of Bethlehem, there's darkness among the people. Sleepy, shadowy darkness. There's humility and pride. There's innocence and guilt all slapped right there together. Trust and paranoia. Weakness and power. Tranquility and anxiety. Magi from the east and masses of Judeans. An unnamed angel from God and a hell-bent tyrant named Herod. A few weeks ago, as we were walking through the season of Advent together, a thought occurred to me. This idea of being far from ordinary. You know, once we get past these holy seasons, we have what's called ordinary time or common time, the proper season. It's just normal life. And it occurred to me that because of the event of Christmas... Life is far from ordinary. Nothing is truly ordinary. Everything has the potential to be extraordinary. And the thought occurred to me that we seek Him in the holy places, those, <coughs> those holy times, those holy seasons, those holy days, what we call holidays. We seek Him in the holy places so that we might find Him in the ordinary. We gather together as His people in a sanctuary. It might not look like a sanctuary, but this is a sanctuary, a holy place. A place where the holy God wishes to meet with holy people, people that He can make holy. And we meet with Him here, not just to be here. Just like Jesus as He stood on the mountain of transfiguration and was changed before the eyes of Peter, James, and John. And Peter didn't know what to say. And he said, Lord, it's sure good to be here. Let's set up some tabernacles. What do you say? But immediately... They were heading back down the mountain. Back to the other nine knuckleheads. Back to the masses. Back to the multitudes. Back to the hordes of people. 
Because the cross lay before Jesus. And so we gather together in a sanctuary, a holy place, so that we might be sent back out. So that we might go back out into what we think is ordinary and there find him. You remember Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, my brethren, you do to me. He's telling the disciples, not just you ought to do good, but when you do good and when you refuse to do good, you are doing good to me. I'm there. I am the one before you. He comes and works in mysterious ways. And so we seek him in the holy places so that we might find him in the ordinary For the last couple of weeks, I've thrown this up on the screen. If we miss him, we miss everything. But think about for whom he came. Did he come for Israel? Yes, of course. He was Israel's Messiah, the Christ, the one who was to come, the one who was to become the son of David, the one who was going to sit upon David's throne and order his people Bring justice to those who had been oppressed. But he did not come for Israel only. No, he came for the Gentiles also. For the nations. For all the peoples of the earth. That was kind of a recurring theme in Advent. That Christ came not just as Israel's Messiah, but as the whole world's Redeemer. Israel was the conduit the family through which he would come. But Israel too was to be a light for all the nations. All of the peoples of the earth were to see in Israel the presence of a holy God. That's why the prophets were so angry with Israel. Because these covenantal people of God who were supposed to be light in the midst of a darkened world were becoming just as dark as the world around them, not caring for one another, running over each other, Deceiving one another, living lies. He came for the whole world, but sadly, there were those who missed him. You know, not everyone was expecting him then, and not everyone is expecting him now. It is easy to get angry and frustrated at the world around us. Why don't they just get it? In fact, just last night, we were uh, talking about the upcoming Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, Tom. And Imogene made a brilliantly obvious observation. Why do we allow abortion clinics to exist? Why don't we just shut them down if people are killing children? Not everyone is expecting. Not everyone wants what Jesus has to offer. There were those who missed him. In fact, it seems that everyone runs the risk of missing him. The religious miss him. The non-religious miss him. The irreligious miss him. The powerful miss him. And even the powerless miss him. 
As strange as it might sound, it seems that Jesus is easily missed if we're not careful. And why might we miss him? How could that possibly happen? How could the light of the world come into the darkened world and the world just not know it? Or the world just not care about it? Well, perhaps we have other interests. Perhaps we might be too comfortable, too unawakened, too restful, too busy. Too preoccupied, too cynical about the world, too self concerned, too proud, too you fill in the blank. Why might you miss Jesus right now? That's the all important question. What would keep me from missing Jesus? Indeed, there were those who resented him. Not everyone was excited then. And not everyone is excited now. It is possible to be offended by the one who the scriptures tell us is the stone of stumbling. It is possible. It is possible to be like the religious leaders of Israel, not all of whom were bad, who say, this isn't what we asked for, Lord We didn't ask for you to save our souls. We didn't ask you to clean up our sinful lives. We asked you to drive out the Romans. We asked you to fix our political problems and our cultural issues. We didn't ask you to fix our deep and abiding personal and spiritual and relational issues. That's not what we signed up for, Lord. Even one of Jesus' very own twelve eventually fell into that category. Not everyone was excited then, and not everyone is excited now. But fortunately, there were also those who sought Him. Anyone who seeks Him will find Him. That's the promise of both Jeremiah the prophet and Jesus the Messiah. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. The prophet said, Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. Ask and you shall receive. The Messiah told us, C.S. Lewis, the mid-20th century prophet, said, In the end, every man gets what he really wants. And so the question before us is really quite simple. What do I really want? Do I want Jesus 
and all that might come with him? Or do I want something else? John Wesley left for the Methodist Church a covenantal prayer of renewal. It's a prayer that would have been prayed on a regular basis, perhaps even at the beginning of each new year as people were reconsidering and renewing their covenantal baptism before God. And the prayer is this, I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. That sort of self-abandonment to Jesus is the only thing that will keep us from missing Him. To be completely His. To be completely given to Him. Surrendered to him. Those who found Jesus at his coming were those who were prepared. You'll remember from last week we read of two people in the temple, both older, an older man and an older woman who had waited and waited, and they finally found the one for whom their hearts had longed. This morning we read of the Magi traveling from the east. They found Him because they were prepared for Him. They packed their bags. They loaded up the camel cars. They gathered together gifts and made their way out west. He is worthy of our everything, whatever gift we might bring. So we should rightly bring Him ourselves at the very least. Again, we seek Him in the holy places so that we might find Him in the ordinary. The incarnation of Jesus 
is far from ordinary. It's it's crazy. It's miraculous. It's inexplicable. When someone asks you, what do you mean that the eternal Son of God became a human man? You try explaining that one. The redemption of mankind is far from ordinary. It's dangerous, bloody, and perilous. There were little kids who died because of the invasion of heaven into earth. Because not everyone on the earth wants that. But redemption is far from ordinary. And the path before us will be far from ordinary if we will prepare for Him, if we will seek Him, and if we will abandon ourselves to Him. Sure, it'll be dangerous, perhaps bloody and no doubt perilous at times, but it'll also be crazy, maybe even miraculous at times, and all around inexplicable to those who are on the outside looking in. Jesus is far from ordinary. And He leads us along a path that is far from ordinary. May we seek Him in the holy places so that we might find Him in the ordinary. When the final days and weeks of 2018 begin to draw near, may it not be said of us, not of you, not of me, not of our church, that we missed Jesus for any reason whatsoever. May that be the very last possible thing that could be said of us. Let's pray.